Hey there, I'm Jade. And I'm Josh. And on this episode of Our Taste is Trash, we review the summer blockbuster Barbie, discuss how A24 is winning the Hollywood strikes, and talk shows to revisit during the actors and writers strike. So remember to rate, review, and follow wherever you listen. Stick around. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome into another episode of Our Taste is Trash. I'm Josh. And I'm Jade. And Jade... I, you know, I, there's a lot to talk about in Hollywood and things going on, but I mean, oh, yeah. I feel like we can't talk about anything else besi- without mentioning the writers and actors strike, because that's just all consuming in Hollywood right now. Yeah, I mean, it's affecting everything. Everything. Like, I think next week, what I'm going to do, not this week, but is start talking about things that have been pushed back, because there's so much that is starting to get pushed back at this point. I heard a rumor, Jade, and I haven't mm-hmm. confirmed this, that they're thinking of pushing back the season, the next season, final season of Stranger Things yeah. to like 26 or 27. Oh, no, I saw that because I was listed at the very beginning of the WGA strike. And I'm like, these kids are going to be 30. They have to get new kids. When they finish they're this gonna, fucking show. Or they're going to have to flash forward somehow like five years. I think that's it. I think they're going to have to move forward with the, in the timeline. There's just no way. Like they're going to be so fucking old. They're like. They're going to be in their 20s. Like, Remember when the show started, they were middle schoolers? Yeah. And it was only supposed to be like four years past, and um, they're, they're like 30? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you're like, come on, come on. Like, we're all, we already, in a lot of movies, sell, you know, high schoolers as like fucking 30-year-olds, and yeah. now we're trying but to not, say middle schoolers are, what, 25? But not when you have like, yeah, because the difference is, is like when you watch a show, they all start out at like 12 years old, and they look like 12-year-olds. And then the last season, they're like supposed to be like fourteen, like freshmen in high school. And I'm like, um, there's a big fucking difference in the puberty level um, between like a fourteen year old and a thirty year olds, especially compared to how they actually used to look yes. during that time. Uh, 100%. So it's kind yeah. of like like Neville and Harry Potter, where they had to remember they had to literally put a fat suit on him because he got kind of jacked in the last. Two, yes. like two movies well he just like lost so much of his baby fat yes. like from and he grew child. like six inches he, he got so fucking tall <laughs> he got so fucking tall yeah they were like oh shit Neville's was always supposed to be like a little chubby weird kid and now he's like well he was a little bit lanky in the books I feel like like a little bit tall but not like I mean he got fucking tall like ridiculous <laughs> yeah no oh god oh ridiculous oh god well Jade you had a great idea for this week which I thought was a really good idea for lack of a better term yeah is we know that there's still going to be some releases coming up throughout the end of this year, both films and TV. But as we start getting into 24, maybe even at the end of this year, if this strike continues with the writers and the actors, mm-hmm. we are not going to see new content. Like we already know, like like we said at the top of the show, movies are being pushed, TV is being pushed, and that at a certain point is going to come to a head when... There's just no content. You know, there's not going to yeah. be the next season of Emily in Paris. There's not going to no, be when they be planned like it to be. Reality shows and like maybe like international shows. And that's kind of going to be it. Really, the only thing that we know is coming like being filmed for sure. right now. well, there's a couple of things being filmed for sure right now. But I mean, 
the slate is going to be so empty. I mean, like House of Dragons is being shot because they're under literally different rules because most of yeah, them are it's the British, uh, British acting union guild. equity. Yeah. yeah. So they're not under the same strike rules. And plus that show is already written. Uh, you know, so they're continuing on. Yeah. But so many now TV shows and films have been pushed back because literally the writing staff and the acting staff has walked off and there's, there's no one there. Production to can't develop continue. It. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so we thought it'd be interesting to maybe do five each yeah. of some TV shows that perhaps that you've heard about. I'm sure most of these you've heard about, yeah. but maybe just haven't started yet. So when we do get to a point where you're looking for new content and things to watch, <laughs> you're going to have to dive back into the, you know, some oldies. the bag a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. And you know, this is like the perfect time. Cause it's like, I feel like, People are always like, eh, like I, I, I want to get around to watching this show, but life is, you know, busy. You have other things going on, so it's harder to watch like an older show when new content continues to come out. Because you're like, well, I have to watch this new show. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. So yeah, this is the perfect time for you to be like, you know what? Let me finally get around to watching this one show. So. Well, Jade, what do you have uh, first on your list? Ooh, okay. So I'm gonna go with Dead Like Me. Uh, this was a, I believe, a Showtime original television series, and it's sadly only available for rent off Amazon Prime. Oh. It was shopped around to quite a few networks for a long time, um, but as of right now, you can only rent it, but maybe, you know, maybe a couple of months from now, another network will pick it up. But if you don't know what Dead Like Me is about, it is about a young woman who basically doesn't really have much going on in her life. She doesn't have a lot of goals. She dies from a toilet that um, flew down from the sky after an <laughs> airplane air explosion. Um, uh. And then when she her soul becomes reaped, she actually turns into a Grim Reaper. And there's a group of Grim Reapers that work this her city. And every morning they're given their assignments of who they're supposed to reap and when on post-it notes. And it's their job to pull the souls out from the body before they die so they don't have to feel or experience pain. Um, and it's really kind of quirky and funny and sweet because alongside that storyline, you know, she's also trying to reconcile some things with like her family. And you also follow the story of her her family who, you know, she's, she left behind a very young sister, her mother and her father, and it's kind of about how their process of grief uh, and moving past that. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. This is awesome. Uh, I don't think I've watched that yet, so it might be something what? to add to my list. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think it's like three seasons. I highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. You know what I have first on my list that I think is an easy watch that you could blow through probably in a weekend if you wanted to? Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. <gasps> yes. If you have not watched this already, this is your sign to watch it. So this is, it's called Love, Death, and Robots because I feel like each episode has some kind of technology aspect to it. Yeah. Whether it be actual robots or, yeah. you know, something a little futuristic. It one of those themes, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Every single one. And there are elements of, you know, surprise, love and death in each one of these. Yes. And sometimes they all intertwine into one. Like yes. One of the, I think, from this last season that strikes me, there's a visually stunning episode that I believe is called Jibaro, I think is Oh, Hibaro. Jibaro? Yeah, okay. Hibaro. Uh, Hibaro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But it's basically uh, it's a commentary on uh, colonization. It's mm -hmm. a retelling of uh, this mystical colonization of this land and yeah. there's this kind of exotic uh, like 
terrifying yet it's kind of like the lady of the lake yeah dancer that yeah, you're covered in gold and jewels never quite sure is a friend or a foe but yeah. then you kind of see she's almost a protector it's it's a whole in-depth story that's very tragic i love but, like sunny's edge is one of my favorites ooh, beyond yes. the aquilo rift the the one with the it's like the werewolf soldiers um ooh, that's like season two i think something like that yeah, yeah yeah it's there's so many good ones oh my god and these are and these vary i want to say you know they're some are 15 minute episodes yep. some might be as long as 30 yeah but they're really entertaining if you love yes. animation this is one of the best i'd say more adult animated series yeah. that i've seen and in a long time each animation style is different there's been yes claymation there's been 2d there's been 3d there's been even like mocap like they have one with michael b jordan where he was completely mocap so it literally looks like he is physically there in the scene like it took me a minute to be like is that actually Michael B. Jordan, or is this an anim- like a s- animation? And I was like, oh my god, it's animation. And I guess I should explain. This is an anthology as well. Like it's yes, a season really isn't even cohesive. Each no. episode stands alone. Yeah, so, they're just co- like shorts yeah, essentially. You don't have to get into if you didn't like one story or if maybe that wasn't for you. You can watch the other one, and, and it's, it's a completely, completely different. different experience. Yeah, every single because there's only some that I don't really favor. I don't really like. And so when I do a rewatch, I just skip it and I yeah. just go to the next one. Yeah. But it's great. You yeah. definitely put it on your list. It's on Netflix. <laughs> uh, so second one for me would be Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Oh. Um, I believe this was like a, a stars or a Showtime show. Um, original series it was British. Um, this is now available to rent on Tubi. Um, but this follows, actually it's based on a memoir that was written about a real life uh, call girl who lived in London. And it's kind of about the exploits of of her being a call girl and and her experiences with her clients while also trying to maintain personal relationships um it's i think it's like her name is a billy piper i believe Mm. is the is the main actress um but uh i just i love this show it's so interesting when when she tells so she's she kind of narrates the show because it's her diary um, and I think she speaks directly to camera a lot of these times. And you kind of follow this as like she has different clients who expect different things from her. But she's also trying to kind of find herself a little bit. And her personal relationships, these people don't really know what she does. So she kind of has to hide the aspect of herself. So she has her call girl self, which she uses a different name. And then she has her regular self with her like real name, Hannah. Um, and I think it's like this was also about maybe three or four seasons um, so it's a, it's a nice, easy watch, and it's just fun, and it's interesting. It's a little sexy, especially when um, they get a better budget as the seasons go on. <laughs> you can tell. Um, but yeah, no, this is definitely one that I highly recommend taking a little bit of a deep dive into, especially if you're a fan of like Sex in the City. Um, it just kind of has those vibes. I'm going to bring up this one, and it's I feel like one that was really hot several years ago. We're talking pre-pandemic years. But maybe something that swept under the rug or forgotten about because too often, I'm going to go back to Netflix well Mm. again, too often in Netflix, things just get buried. You know, they get really hot. They're there in your top 10 or maybe you have a list and you you like to put things in there and it just kind of falls by the wayside. You don't watch it. Netflix has so much content. They're kind of really only pushing the newest stuff. Yes. So like their older content like gets like you said buried. You wouldn't even know that Orange is the New Black is still in that. This still yeah, on Netflix. You or you, you House would, of Cards. House I of Cards. don't see that literally anywhere. Sensei. I mean, you could talk about all of these shows, which are all great in their own right. But I yeah. mean, you wouldn't see that unless you were looking for it. Yes. 
here's one that I think has maybe gotten pushed, and the only reason I bring this up is because we were talking about great horror last night. Mm. The Haunting of Hill House. <gasps> which yes. Could, you could also then binge the Haunting of Bly Haunting Manor. Haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. Which is not as good, I will say. Uh, same. Haunting of Hill House still terrifies me. It- to this day, I, it is one of the most terrifying shows Josh, I've ever watched on Netflix. So my sister had never seen it, and I kept telling her, oh. like, you have to watch it. So she was like, the only way... Do not way- watch it with the kids. Yes. Do not no, watch no, it. No, no, absolutely your, not. Your kids will have nightmares. I have nightmares. I have nightmares. So, yeah. But no, she was like, the only way I'll watch it is with you. So when I came to visit her for, like, Christmas, because I'm there for a couple days, we literally spend every night watching episodes of Haunting of Hill House, and Josh, I still was fucking scared shitless by some of the scenes. Even when you knew it was coming, right? Yes, like, I, I yeah. knew it was coming, but I still was like, God, this is fucking... Well, and also, I was trying so hard not to, like, show that something was coming so that my sister could experience it. But at the same time, I'm, like, trying to mentally prepare myself. The crooked neck lady, still the most terrifying oh, yeah, figure. The bent neck lady? The bent neck lady. That's what I said. I said the crooked neck lady. And the guy bent with neck. the bowler hat and the cane that, like, floats. Nope. Terrifying. Nope. Spooky. Nope. But this is uh, from the imaginings of show creator Mike Flanagan, who mm-hmm. also has done things like Oculus, so he's very well known in the yes. horror genre. And this is actually, this show is a retelling of a Shirley Jackson novel. Yes. So it's excellent. I mean, yeah. I haven't read the book, but I have to imagine that this is a pretty amazing retelling of the content yeah. of that book because... My sister's read the book. She said that it's fairly close, but they still changed some things. I mean, but that's... I always that's feel like that's okay. That's part the course. Like, if you change no, a few things, I've, What yeah. I've heard from people is, like, no one's upset that they change things from the book because of how incredibly well done the show is. It's better than yeah. the movie The Haunting with uh, Owen Wilson mm. and Catherine Zeta-Jones. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I, yeah. Also, this has uh, Carla Giuliano, or Gi- <laughs> Giuliano, <laughs> Giugiano in it in Haunting of Hill House. Carla is- Gugino? Yeah, that's what I want to say. I was like, I can't talk right now. But excellent. Definitely add it to your list. Also on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so my next one would be Pushing Daisies, which is currently available to watch on Max. I think this one only got two seasons before it was egregiously canceled. Mm. Bullshit. I think this show is so incredibly charming. If you love that kind of almost like Wes Anderson kind of indie-esque style of filming, like this is it for you. Like Pushing Daisies, the sets are meant to be exaggerated over the top. They're they're almost, they are meant to feel like sets. So it's about, um, which I believe I actually spoke about this in the podcast before, but I'll mm-hmm. reiterate it, but it's about this man named Ned who when he's young discovers he has the power to bring the dead back to life. But if you bring someone back to life, then someone in the close proximity must die because there has to be a balance of life and death. But he realizes that there's a time limit. He can bring someone back from the dead for, I think, like five minutes and he has to touch them again and they have to die again and then no one else will die. So, you know, basically he grew up never wanting to ever kind of use this gift and... um, he ends up owning a pie shop, which the shop is shaped like a pie. It's incredible. <laughs> and Kristen Chenoweth is his employee who works there. Well, he ends up basically a, a private investigator finds out that he has this power. And he the private investigator decides to use him to awaken the dead so that he can help solve their murders as a PI. But meanwhile, uh, Ned's childhood crush finds out that she died tragically on a cruise ship, ends up bringing her back to life, but now he can never touch her again or she will die again. So 
Yes. Jesus and Christ. And it's cute and it's fun and it's quirky and it's also a little bit sad. And like the visuals, again, like uh, the sets, the the costuming, the, the stylization of it is so well done. It's so ahead of its time. Like for when it came out, I don't think people really understood it or got it. But if this came out today, I think people would be raving about it. Mm. Yeah. So again, Pushing Daisies, available now on Max. There you go. One of the few things that might be worth uh, watching on Max right now. Absolutely. Leave it there. (laughs) I'm going to bring up one that I binged during the pandemic. This was a pandemic binge for me. And what's Mm. actually great about this is I was binging the show while they were having issues on the show. So they were actually affected by the pandemic, which is why they split their last season. And it took so long for them to come back in season six. And this is Superstore. Oh, one of my favorite shows. It was great as the pandemic fits so well into the fabric of this store because they're all essential workers. This is one of the few shows that it like made sense to be in the show. Yeah, because remember that was the whole grocery store workers are essential workers. And so grocery stores had to stay open and these poor people were like basically putting their lives at risk. Um, And and, and they actually were to shoot the show because I was looking at the release dates of the show. They were shooting in the middle Middle. of the pandemic. I mean, they were they released their season six at the end of 2020, which had already been pushed, but they were shooting in October was the first release date of the, their essential episode for season six. So they had kind of, as I understand it, got, I think got a little cut short at the end of Mm -hmm. season five because they had a two parter. Yeah. They then moved to season six. But Mm -hmm. if you haven't watched Superstore before, you might look at this and kind of go, it's the show about people that essentially work at, a Walmart-like store. Yeah, You're but like, it's... The Office is a show about people that work at a paper company. Exactly. So, you know. But, I mean, America Ferreira is amazing. Yes. In this fucking show. Like... Yeah, we have, like, Ben Feldman. like, And the, the best part about it is it showcases the exact type of people that go like go to stores these big box stores like the cut twos of customers doing weird yep. shit is one of my favorite things about the entire show because they do it the entire time like it's a bit that they don't lose if you like clerks you will like this yes like this is like it's the clerks one like from yeah, yeah. the Rich humor of like those cutaways where you're like what the fuck just everyday stuff i think if you've been mm-hmm. in any kind of service industry you're gonna, you're gonna love yeah. the humor of the show i mean it's just the writing I mean, maybe like all shows, I feel like there's a little bit of a lull in the middle with the actual storyline, yeah. but the jokes themselves, oh. I don't think ever get old in this show. No. I was never not entertained the entire way through. Exactly. So I would highly, highly recommend this. Yes. It's, it's so much fun. I think it's, it's available to watch on Hulu. It, oh yeah, it's available to watch mm-hmm. on Hulu right now. It's also, I think it's an NBC show though. It is. It? Yeah, so it's probably on Peacock I would well. imagine on Peacock, but yeah, maybe they just licensed it Yeah, to I think Hulu it's like now. what, six seasons? Six seasons. So They're 30 minute episodes, which lots, really, because it was on network, it's like 20 minute episodes. Yeah, lots to binge. So if you need something to kind of just watch, it's Yeah, it's have on, have a good it's time. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up for me is this one's gonna be very specific. It's Teen Wolf, which was an MTV original series. God, I remember that show. I don't. Yeah. I think I watched one or two episodes, but I never really um, got into it. Okay, so the, right now it's all seasons are available on Hulu, and I know that I might sound like really like Teen Wolf MTV, but guys, this is actually a show that MTV somehow got right and also it has such a cult following to the point that they actually got funding to create a teen wolf movie like which i know teen wolf is a movie (laughs) obviously from the 1980s this is like based off of it but uh, for those who might not know much about it it's based on the 1980s film um, that originally starred michael j fox um 
where this young teen boy basically gets bitten by a werewolf. Turns out he has like these like werewolf powers. Werewolves are a little bit different here. They're, so they're not like, they don't turn into like these full human wolf things. They just kind of, their eyes glow. They get like teeth, claws, and like a little bit of hair. Um, but basically it's like him and his best friend and they end up like realizing there's like a wolf pack and each season kind of focuses almost on a different supernatural occurrence or event. So obviously season one is just purely like werewolves and werewolf packs and clans. But then later on you get like crazy supernatural creatures and like there's like ghost riders, kitsune, like skinwalkers. There's like... um this weird like lizard creature thing and it sounds insane but <laughs> and i know but like the lore that they create and then the friendships that they build between all of the characters becomes so fun and charming and if you like anything to do with the supernatural i think this is actually decently done like this is a show that they don't it goes a little bit over the top but it doesn't necessarily jump the shark and i think watching the relationships between the characters is one of my favorite things like when you get to the end like it's just so beautiful and like heartwarming to like see where they all end up and kind of how they wrap up the show like i don't know i think they just did a really good job and then of course dylan o'brien is one of the stars in it and he is one of my all-time favorite characters of the entire show like he is the literal heart of that show so when he's kind of gone for one of the seasons because he was filming maze runner i was like it's just not the same (laughs) (laughs) but anyways yeah so that's um on hulu and again i think it's like maybe five seasons but definitely worth the watch if you love supernatural nice well i'm gonna bring up one that's i feel like a blast from the past because it only had two seasons Mm. and it had so long between seasons that I feel like even people who love the show had forgotten about it by the time it came back. I think there were three years between season one and season two. Oh, my God. This is Fleabag oh. from Amazon Prime. Yes. Phoebe Waller-Bridges is the main star of this. Her humor in this show is unmatched. I mean, yeah. basically what you're following is a young woman who is dealing with tragedy and life mm-hmm. in London and has a very poor outlook i mean just it, i feel like almost a realistic outlook on things like yeah. everyone's always trying to be like see the bright side and she's like fuck you and i'm like yeah yes and like, very, please like, tell me more internalized as well yes. so you start to see her internalizing the tragedy in her life and also like how sex plays into that and kind of how her family affects that and uh, honestly season two is the best for me i mean season one is obviously amazing but i cannot believe how well done season two is. I think also because you get to see how self-destructive she is. Yes. I think that speaks to a lot of people because, you know, I think we all at some point in our life do some self-destructive things and you can't always explain it away in the moment or Mm -hmm. even after the moment. Yeah. And you kind of get to see how her steps just kind of evolve to a point where she's like, I don't even really like this. You know, she comes to a point and one time she's like, I don't even know what what I'm doing. doing. But... I'm still going to do it, like, because I just fucking am unhappy. Like, you know, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, like, I, not everything has yeah. to make sense. No, not everything has like, a resolution. You yes. know, like, it's great. It's just so real and it's so honest and it's heartfelt and emotional, but quirky and 
funny and like raw. Like, uh, dude, I cry so much. <laughs> Great cast too. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, we have, you know, the star of Phoebe Waller Bridges. Olivia Coleman is in yeah. this movie as uh, you know the Godmother. She's great in this movie. Brett Gelman, who is also on things like Stranger Things, mm-hmm. you know, as the crazy Russian guy. Yeah, Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott. Yeah, Ugh. also amazing in this. So I mean, really, the cast was outstanding. And yeah. it all just came together. It's, I, I love that show, and I might need to actually do a rewatch of that oh, at some point. I rewatch season two a lot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that is actually uh, on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah, original show. So, um, All right. Well, my last here, last but not least, is Psych, which... <laughs> This is an older era, but this was a USA network television original series. It's now available. I think you watch all seasons on Prime and on Peacock. Oh, nice. Um, but if you guys have not seen the show, which that is wild to me if you haven't, but in case you haven't, it is a comedy where um, basically this guy, Sean Spencer, he is incredibly intuitive and intelligent, and he kind of fibs his way into helping detectives solve cases by pretending that he is a psychic. Um, his dad is a retired cop, which is where I think he gets a lot of this intuition, and he has his best friend, Gus, who kind of is always with him on these hijinks, and it's kind of just a typical, you know, it feels like a little, you know, typical like, cop show where it's like every episode, there's a new crime, they have to solve it, but it's not dark, it's very lighthearted, funny, comedy, Sean is very goofy. The, the hijinks he and Gus get into are absolutely insane. <laughs> and the jokes are incredible. Like, I probably rewatch this, like, every couple of years. And they still hold up to this day. Like, one of my favorites is when Sean and Gus go undercover as models. And they call themselves black and tan. And everyone always assumes, of course, that Gus is black because he's a black man. And that Sean is tan. And then whenever he, like, calls people out on it, it's fucking hilarious. He's like, <laughs> why would you assume that he's black i'm black he's tan like (laughs) and like there's a running joke where like every episode he when sean goes to introduce himself to like whoever he's investigating or whatever he always gives gus some crazy ass name he never uses gus's real name and then gus just goes along with it and then there's a secret runner throughout the entire show that either the word pineapple or a like a picture of a pineapple is somewhere in every single episode of the show. It's so good. It's so good. They've done like spinoff films. I think there's like two or three movies now that they made from the show, but it's it's great. I highly recommend. It's one of those you could just like kind of have on. I was gonna, the one thing because I'm I'm rewatching Suits right now, and this kind of mm-hmm. reminds me because I've I started watching Psych a few years ago and I didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. The hard thing about I think old school network, and I'm talking pre pre-streaming network yes, shows. Yes, this is way before streaming. Is they get a lot into the weeds because they're writing, what, 22 to 26 yes. episodes? Like something like Yes, your 20- seasons are like 22 episodes, yeah. And I feel like there's, because there wasn't as much rerun back then, there's a lot of repetitions. Or, yes, because or, you have to kind of fill that, right? Like you have, you start the running conflict that's yep. going to go throughout the season at the beginning, but then you have to fill the middle with just kind of your everyday fluff fluff yeah and then you don't really resolve that conflict from the beginning until the very end and also what bothers me about old school series sometimes is that i'm not arguing it's a good show because i've watched it and i think it's hilarious but i mean the in-between episodes sometimes don't always directly correlate to one another you're right you so you might be on season one and you're like wait they just did all this stuff in season in episode one but now we're in episode two and it's like none of that happened until we get to episode seven and you're yes. like wait now we're now we're going back to episode one what's yeah, that they'll like reference it again yeah, yeah like that's and it, yeah this kind of has that mistake of like those network shows where sometimes they 
would forget they did something previously. Yeah, absolutely. Or sometimes they would just create standalone episodes that have nothing to do yes. with anything else in that season. You know, it's weird, but um, definitely one that's like an easy watch. You can kind of throw it on while you're like folding towels or something or like cooking and you're not like, you don't have to really tune in, tune in, but if you do, it's, I mean, the joke's hilarious. So the last show that I'm going to say here before we go into our movie this week is BoJack Horseman on oh. Netflix. <laughs> Another six season show. Uh, um, I think amazing. Like I, I'm like a lot of shows that are this long. I think there is a little bit of lull in the middle, but I mm-hmm. mean the first two, and I will say they ended, I think strong as well in that series. But Essentially, I feel like this show is based on Family Matters. Like, cause Ooh, it's, I, yeah. I, feel like it's, I feel like Will Arnett just embodies what he thinks Bob Saget could have been or maybe was in some ways. I mean, Full House? Full House. Oh, Full House. I don't you know why. Family I Matters. Family Matters. No, Full House. Yes. Because it's about a show about a horse. This In this universe, if you've never heard of the show, yeah. there are literally animals and people. They're like say, anthropomorphic yeah, animals. Yes. Yeah. Like humanoid, almost animals that. Yeah. Are no explanation. They just are. They just so, exist. Some are animals and some are people, and they just coexist in a world. Yep. But Bojack was a who is half a horse person. Uh, <laughs> he was a star of a show in the eighties and nineties called Horse and Around. So it starts with him basically trying to write his memoirs, and he's kind of what you would assume a fairly wealthy, burned out Hollywood actor would be. He just yeah. does drugs all the time. He has sex with prostitutes and like. Mm-hmm is very aloof to everyone around him and doesn't really care about their problems. Incredibly selfish and self-centered. Yes. And the show is basically about He's like him. trying to find fame again. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to find fame again, but then also kind of goes on a self-discovery journey because he starts to realize that his actions have affected so many people throughout his life. Yes. And also he deals with trauma that is unresolved in his life that all stemmed back oh. from his childhood, essentially. So Yes. No, I, I definitely... I just did a rewatch recently as well, and it's just... Also, the commentary in general on, like, society and politics and, like... Hollywood culture. Hollywood. Like, it still rings so true today. And I just feel like they never shied away from those things, which I thought was great. And they also never held up BoJack as someone you're supposed to really root for, which I thought was great because that's, you know, not that common. And also, too, uh, this made me realize what a genius actor Will Arnett was. Like, I've always known that he was a good actor, but, like, this show... I don't think he ever gets enough credit for it. I think his acting in this, voice acting, is outstanding. Like, truly outstanding. Movie review. First look. I think it's time to talk about our movie this week, which is the new Barbie movie. Uh, we we couldn't do the double feature, which we were hoping to do, uh, <sighs> yeah. but it was, uh, we'll, we'll eventually see Oppenheimer. Yeah. But, you know, it just, it, the theaters were full and it was just, you know, five, six hours in a movie. It's going to be a lot. That's a lot. But uh, Jade, first thoughts on Barbie. I mean, this is everything I thought it was going to be, but also nothing like I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I had a feeling this was going to be a feminist story. This is going to be kind of a Barbie coming to realization of what the real world is like. You know, all those things ring true, but there was such incredible messaging that I just didn't expect from this film, especially knowing that Mattel was also behind it. You know, I thought that a little bit might have been held back or they might not have pushed the envelope enough because, you know, it's a giant toy corporation and they don't want their name besmirched or whatever. But 
they really went there and i think they trusted greta gerwig to tell this specific story and she did it so incredibly well also ryan gosling as ken absolutely the best choice he knocked it out of the park i mean he is like the epitome of exactly what i assume a ken doll to be yeah i mean there are two other movies you know as writer director that you can point to i think a lot of people when they think of greta gerwig as a writer director look at ladybird oh yeah you know because that was her first big come out i mean she'd been an actor before that doing things like you know, Frances Ha is something mm-hmm. I remember discovering her in, really, and uh, some of those other films. But, I mean, Lady Bird was her big writer-director. Then she went on to do Little Women, which I mm-hmm. thought was a great recreation, even though it got shit on. <laughs> this, so far, is her best film. I, I don't think that can be argued. If it, I've watched oh, yeah. all of her films that she's written and directed. This, by far, is, I think, what we're... This is Greta Gearwig, for lack of a better term. This is... I think the best example of what she is able to produce. And Mm -hmm. I hope that we're in an era now where she can continue to do more work. And we're going to see this is just the beginning of her golden age. Pushing female writer directors forward, you know, like it's not like it's unheard of, but typically female writers and female directors, especially writer directors. If I I see to name five right now, how many writer directors or female could you name? I mean, yeah, like I think Catherine Hardwick did like. The first Twilight film, I think she wrote and directed that. No. And then I think... Like, I think Catherine Bigelow is another one I can yes, think Catherine, of, but I don't know if she writes Sophia and directs. Coppola. Sophia Coppola. Yeah. yeah. But that's... I, it's not... Without looking up right yeah, now, I couldn't... It's not common. No. <laughs> so I think showing how successful this film is and how, how if you let women tell the stories that we want to tell in the way that we want to tell them, that they can be successful. And hopefully this continues to open the door for further, you know like advancement of women in the Hollywood industry, like as writers and directors, because they've come out and talked about how like, even if you get one film like this, you often don't get that second opportunity, which is crazy. Like Ava DuVernay, like she's even said, like I had an Oscar winning film and I wrote and directed and I thought calls would be coming left and right. She goes, nothing. This this should be Greta Gerwig entering her Wes Anderson era. Like yeah. this, this, honestly, like I think she is that level of writer director at this point in her career. And yeah. I, if she doesn't get five more deals after this, that that's a tragedy for filmmaking. Honestly, honestly. like if I was someone like a twenty four or something, I would be trying to snatch her up to a three film deal or something. Hundred like percent. Right now, as like this acting strike is going on, as this writer strike is going on, yeah. just to get some films out there because, I mean. Yeah. This is it. This, sure. this, this, this is amazing. Like, I can't bit. say enough good things about this. So, why don't we take a quick break, come back, and we'll give our full review of the movie Barbie, which is. Now in theaters. Pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and now, our feature presentation. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks 
some things have been happening that might be related. When my world Cold shower. Ooh. Falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. <gasps> Flat feet! Ah! Our movie this week is the brand new theatrical release, Barbie. It's playing now in theaters near you. And... I mean, as you can already tell, we're pretty, we were pretty excited about this film before we even started, and I can say that that excitement has not stopped after we've seen the film. Jade, for those who maybe haven't been, I guess, anywhere on social media God, or right. in the world, because I feel like everywhere I turn, this is probably one of the more, the most heavily promoted film, aside from Oppenheimer, which kind of go hand in hand yeah. because of the... What are we calling it? The Barbenheimer? Barbieheimer, yeah. Barbieheimer, yeah. Barbieheimer, yeah. <laughs> a double feature that folks are doing. Oh, I, side note, I did see a really cool thing on social media. This girl went to see Barbie first mm-hmm. and then went to Oppenheimer and had her camera down on her lap and got in her Barbie glasses the atom bomb explosion in her sunglasses as she was watching the film. It was pretty cool. I don't understand any of that, so I have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I will show you the clip afterwards. Thank you. But it was cool. Yeah. Um, Jade, for those who don't know about this film, can you give us a brief synopsis? So they tried to keep this plot pretty under wraps, so it's a quick summary. Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of it, yeah. That's it, yeah. Well, let's start right off, because I have very little to say in this area, but what was trash for you about this film, Jade? I think the only trash, and it's almost even hard to say it's trash, but was just, I felt like some moments were a little too focused on Ken or the Kens um, for the messaging that we had in the movie. Like, I would have appreciated pulling that back just a little bit more. I mean, we got some great gems from it, some really funny moments, but I feel like ultimately the whole point was supposed to be about this kind of disillusionment that Barbie ends up having when she discovers that Barbie did not solve, um, you know, didn't take down the patriarchy and did not bring feminism to all and did not solve all of the problems for women in the real world. and that was a huge part of the initial plot. And then we have this whole story of Ken and the patriarchy, which, again, it, it, it made sense for the film. It made sense for the movie. But I do think just a few of those moments I uh, don't think we needed. And also, well, speaking of moments we didn't need, um, Will Ferrell as the I, CEO of Mattel. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, the that was going to be my trash. I think the one thing is you get – when they enter the real world, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Mattel, they set them up kind of like a, well, like a corporation, but almost like a spy ring that also knows yes. that their toys are real that somewhere Barbies in Barbie can Land. get loose. Yeah. <laughs> because they've had incidents before, which is a funny bit. Like, that, it, that it is, is funny. funny. But they kind of have this analyst that runs it, you know, upstairs to the big guys. And you have this boardroom scene that just goes on. Too long into the movie because there's additional scenes where they're like chasing Barbie down, going to yes. Barbie land. And yes, it's Will Ferrell and he's a fucking genius. He's and funny, but he's funny. But there's he doesn't add anything eight to the minutes film. of the film that can be cut out. Like, well, yeah, because when you think in the end, it's the CEO is not the enemy. So, OK, you know, we're, he's not an antagonist. So it's like we're not needing to pay attention to that. Yes. Nor does he help or aid in the resolution of the rest of the film. So it, they're literally just kind of there. And I think I think that's the problem. Like, it almost feels like 
And and I will say Greta Gerwig does not do this as much as Wes Anderson was an offender in mm-hmm. Asteroid City. But I think this almost seems like a victim of an overstacked cast because you yes. had Will Ferrell available, needed to do something, but like because of the way the story was told, like you said, yeah. he wasn't a device that did anything. He wasn't a positive force that was driving the story forward and he right. also wasn't he wasn't a villain. Like I thought they were gonna be the villain. I was like, well, Oh, same, this is gonna be one of the villains. They start out against. with like put Barbie back in the box. And she escapes the box. You think, okay, so they're kind of the villains. They're trying to track her down. They're trying to put her back. But my thing is, well, she went back to Barbie land. So what was the point of chasing her back into Barbie land? Because yeah. wasn't that the whole point of putting her in the box? They chased her back there and I was like, this They is- chased her back there, but then they didn't do anything because once they got back to Barbie land, the rest of the story was about Ken and the patriarchy. Yeah. So the executives literally did nothing. So yeah, I think that to me was just... <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the point. <laughs> that the executives they don't actually do anything. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably Maybe it. we're just understanding it right now. Maybe it was just too meta for us to understand. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, we brought up a bunch of the characters uh, and actors. I mean, let's can we talk a little bit about the cast oh, before we move on? Uh, you yeah. know, we have, obviously, we all knew this was starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, but who else do we have in this cast? Yes. So we have President Barbie, which is Issa Rae. Weird Barbie is Kate McKinnon. Writer Barbie, Alexander Ship. Physicist Barbie, Emma Mackey. Dr. Barbie, Hari Neff. Pulitzer Prize Barbie, Ritu Arya. Uh, Mermaid Barbie, Dua Lipa. Diplomat Barbie, Nicola Coughlin. Midge, <laughs> Emerald Fennel. We have Surfer Ken, which is Simu Liu. Um, one of the other Kens, Kingsley Benadire. Music Ken is Nakuti Gatwa. Uh, Mermaid Ken is John Cena. We have Alan is Michael Sarah. Uh, Gloria is America Ferreira. Sasha, Ariana Greenblatt. Ruth is Rhea Perlman. The narrator is Helen Mirren. The Mattel CEO is Will Ferrell. Aaron Dinkins is Connor Swindles. And the Mattel executive is Jamie Demetrio. I mean, talk oh. about a freaking stacked cast. Also, did you say, I don't know, maybe you went through this. Did you say Michael Sarah as Alan? I absolutely did. Oh, yeah. I was like, who also? Obviously, Alan, yeah. Michael Sarah. So, Alan. <laughs> I mean, literally, it was like, this is like the cast of casts. And what's crazy, because when you watch the movie, I mean, so these people get little to no screen time at all. But you know what? I, I'm going to defend, uh, you know, again, Greta Gerwig in this. Is I get it. It's the Wes Anderson effect of sure, they I just want to be a part of the movie. But I think everyone had an appropriate role. You know what I mean? In terms of, yes, these are all massive stars, but we didn't try to jam them into speaking roles just to have them. Like, right. John Cena barely had any lines, but he was oh. hilarious because he was He was Mermaid amazing. Pen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which was fucking great. No, that was great. Well, I mean... I will say some of these people were absolutely wasted. Like, oh, and, and yeah. now listen, there's like her. So Barbie kind of has her crew. So that crew of Barbies makes sense to me to be a bit of a bigger name cast. But when you have like Nicola Coughlin as diplomat Barbie and she's in there for 0.2 seconds, did that need to be Nicola Coughlin? Um, you know, when we have someone like Jamie Demetrio, who's one of the Mattel executives who barely has any lines or even screen time i'm like he is an incredible comedic actor he's a british comedic actor he does great character work but again he doesn't even have like any lines i think he says like Dude, two three things i will say i know we're not quite there and emerald fennel is an oscar-winning actress as midge yes. and she's like not even in it so i want to go to this next because i'm so excited to talk about some of the performances now that we've <laughs> gone gotten the there list. yeah yeah <laughs> who do you think had one of the best performances in this film Ooh, ooh, this is hard. It's hard. I, I think there's a lot to choose from, honestly. Even though, I, like you said, I, I do agree to an extent that I think people didn't have a lot. Of, some of these actors didn't have enough screen time, but like the ones that I think did, there's three standouts for ooh, me. Ooh, okay, I'm ready. I think the obvious, obviously Margot Robbie 
as Barbie. Yep. I think she did this incredible job of still keeping this light-hearted airiness that is Barbie while also kind of growing into this consciousness of understanding what sadness and death is and, and the kind of bittersweet emotions that you gain as that we have as humans. Um, I think she did a beautiful job of that. Obviously, Ryan Gosling as Kin <laughs> stand out. I mean, his ability to be this total kind of airhead, but yet so obsessive of Barbie. Like he lives his life for her, but his <laughs> his performances too, when he learns about patriarchy and men, um, and then his musical performances oh my god so good i think people i forgot until watching this that ryan gosling started out in mickey mouse club as a singer dancer performer so he actually does have an incredible voice which i was like where was that voice during la la land but i digress well we can yeah. go on all day about la la land and, and then <laughs> yeah and then the third standout performance to me was actually um america Ferrera as gloria who mm. i think you know, her role was, of course, she was the one playing with Barbie. She's the one that introduced these existential thoughts to Barbie. And you start to realize the complexity of her emotions and why she's feeling them. And she gives this incredible speech at the end to kind of wait, awaken the Barbies from their misogynistic trance. And the way she delivers it is so incredible because you start to see this like frustration and anger build up inside of her of like what it means to be a woman in the world and how difficult it is to just simply exist and um i just thought you know again i mean record for an incredible actress so yes great performance from her you know i i'm gonna agree with you with you know many of the actors you said but i think one person who i oh. think can get annoying in some comedies to an extent if if it's not kate mckinnon in, well, kate mckinnon she kate was up McKinnon. there with me I was actually shocked because, listen, there are movies that I love Kate McKinnon in. I mean, mm-hmm. I loved her in SNL. I think everyone did. She's a genius comedic actor or actress that has amazing improv skills. I mean, yes, complete genius. But I think sometimes you know, there, there's a lot of actors that have great improv skills and that can get lost in a movie or can end up just not to play well within the terms of right. the greater story. Or it's like, yeah, when someone doesn't edit her down. Th- she was casted perfectly they oh, knew God. the role that she wanted her to play and she knew the role that she was yeah. supposed to play weird and barbie it, weird barbie 100 percent. like that i remember even when they did i knew exactly that she was going to come on and be weird barbie as soon as they introduced the character i was like oh this is kate mckinnon no question about it of course and then she came on and i was like holy shit why is this so good like why am i enjoying this part of the movie yes. so much because like, she's like a little bit creepy but she's also a little bit kind of like wise and then the styling that they gave her was so amazing because I think everyone, you know, we've already seen the trailer. We've already been introduced to her with the cut off hair and the scribbling on her face and like the weird mismatched clothes. But then she kind of gets a few different looks throughout the movie. Which is amazing. And they're just also perfect. But also, oh, my God, the end when they're like, we're so sorry, weird Barbie. We made you into this like pariah, like you know, we want to give you responsibilities and roles. So the president invites her to be like, I don't know, like a head of a department. And she goes, can I have sanitation? <laughs> and President Barbie's like, yeah, okay. And she's like, oh my God, thank you. And I'm like, <laughs> I fucking died. I was like, yeah. The, and also because she has the pooping dog. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, oh. which by the way, I think I had that or something. That's I, such a weird toy. <laughs> yeah. It's a pooping dog. Oh, when they introduced the rest of the discontinued Barbies, 
such a great moment. <laughs> like the TV Barbie, the sugar daddy Ken, yes. the like oh growing up skipper, which has always creeped me out, yes. where you push her arm down and she gets taller and her boobs grow. Yeah. <laughs> and preg- pregnant, right? Or no. Stacy. Stacy's pregnant, right? No, it's Midge. Midge, damn it. But Midge wasn't even part of that group, which I have so much lore and stuff about Midge. Um, obsessed, but also Alan turned out to not be a villain. He was an ally. Thank you. And that's the other thing I want to, Michael Sierra as Alan, outstanding. I loved, and I, that's the one person I would argue, I wish he had more screen time Same. and he had more scenes because saying. he was not at all what I expected. No. We thought from the trailers, based on what we saw, he, he was just probably felt the villain. nefarious. It, absolutely he did. Yes. But then when you find out that he's just there as an ally, literally to everyone somehow, yes. like he is Ken's friend. Who's Ken's buddy? Trademark. Buddy, who have you seen the Michael Sarah interviews, by the way? Of course. Where he's like, Can you tell us a little more about your character? He's like, Yeah, well, you know, he's not Ken's friend, he's Ken's buddy. Yes. And he also wears Ken's Ken's clothes. clothes. Yeah, because (laughs) the Alan doll, when he first came out with it literally it's trademarked this the buddy part. So it's he is Ken's buddy, and then the tagline for him was like, he can fit in all of Ken's clothes. Yeah. So there's just means gay, right? Yeah, there's basically like the whole like history of it people assume that what they mean is that that's you know ken ken's and buddy. ken's buddy it's that's yeah. alan and they're gay and they live together and they can share each other's also clothes in the original box do you see how ken is standing behind alan yes it- but so here's the lore alan is actually married to midge oh that's true and her baby is alan's baby that's but it's interesting that that wasn't mentioned in this film so actually Alan and Midge got married in 1990 when they came out with Wedding Day Midge. And then it wasn't until 2003 they introduced the pregnant Midge dolls. And she actually did have a wedding ring on, but parents were upset because she wasn't, when she was pregnant, she wasn't sold with, like, her husband. So they they thought that it was an unwed, like, pregnant doll. And basically they had to re-put out all of the dolls with new packaging that showed Alan with her because people forgot that Alan and Midge were married in 1990. Wild. I know. Wild. But then they discontinued Midge. Midge. So there's no Alan, no Midge. So sorry to both of them. Sorry, Alan. bring Alan back after this. I bet they will. They absolutely yeah. will because they're gonna, they've already done versions of all the dolls from the movie. So of course they're going to have an Alan Jeez. doll now. But not the original Alan doll. But My- Michael Zara, I thought, played his role perfectly so good and it was just so good. like i said i wanted more from him in this and i will say about the performances in general if ryan gosling does not get a nomination and margot robbie as well oh man it's going to be a tragedy yeah for, for comedy film. musical 100 yeah for yeah obviously for, i think they should have globes they should have oscar nominations and greta gerwig should for sure get a directing nomination. she's gonna get a nom for sure she has to i, yeah. I and at this point i'm now, even thinking about who would if she i could don't win. know if someone like margot robbie or ryan gosling would actually win, win. i agree yeah but gosling this is this has to be this reminds me of do you remember like lars and the real girl oh, like this reminds me of so that era of oh, ryan gosling so he did say in an interview that he actually had to he was inspired by his performances during the Mickey Mouse Club and that Hilarious. he pulled from essentially what he was like during those eras growing up as a kid for his performances for Ken, which it. is so funny because Ryan loves to try to basically pretend like that never happened. And when people <laughs> bring it up in interviews, he's always like, fuck. Well, he went like, like really indie, like in the early part of his career. He yes. went like indie comedy. Like he, yeah. he didn't do well, any of those. He was put into that stuff as a child from yeah. his parents. That wasn't what he wanted or what he was into. So when he 
basically left Mickey Mouse Club. He's like, I want to do like real acting. I don't yep. want to be this like singer, performer, dancer, whatever. And so he kind of tried to cut himself off from that. And also, by the way, highly recommend looking up his performances from that era. So good. <laughs> so good. I understand why he's embarrassed. But um, oh but I just love that he like tapped into that to be Ken. Well, Jade, let's talk about, and I'm sure we could spend an hour doing this, but let's talk about a few of the points that we think are really treasure in this film. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I just, I love, first of all, the nods to Barbie gameplay itself. The fact mm. that, so these are Barbies living in Barbie land, and the idea is that they are existing on a different plane where they are essentially being played with by people in the real world, but the Barbies have no conception of that. Yes. So what's cool is in Barbie land, they're, the physics of things don't matter because that doesn't matter when you're playing. So like, for instance, Barbie doesn't get from her top floor to the bottom floor of her dream house by walking downstairs because stairs don't exist in the Barbie dream house. And so she just floats down because you carry your Barbie <laughs> down from the first floor to the last floor. And also there's no running water when she takes a shower because there's no water in the dream house and she doesn't actually eat or drink her food because it's plastic. The fact that Margot Robbie reacts to the hot and cold water oh my God. as... It's going like I it's remember so good because that's probably the subtle reference to when because like to turn on the shower they have the sound effect and everything they're you yes. like, whoosh, and then you look and you're like wait there's no there's no water, water. Or steam that's weird yeah. and then you really catch on if you haven't caught mm -hmm. on it's the breakfast that's it's, the best the breakfast part is the absolute best because she takes out a box of orange juice pours it into her cup but by pouring there's nothing coming out and then she takes the cup and just kind of lifts it to her face. And there's nothing coming out of it. And she like drinks She's it. Like, oh. And then she like when she like eats her plastic waffle, she just kind of like makes like a, a fork scooping motion. And then she's like, hmm. And then like walks away from it. <laughs> yeah. And that's like it. And then same with like her wardrobe. Like her wardrobe is entirely laid out in her closet for the day. And all she has to do is like open the doors and then it appears on her body because yes. You, as the player, or as the person who owns the Barbie, you are changing Barbie's clothes. Barbie doesn't change her own clothes. Mm -hmm. So I just, those little details were just so good. Like her driving the car, she doesn't actually have to drive. Like she's like turning around, waving at people, and the car is still like going. The car's just going places. Yeah, yeah, because as a kid, you're the one pushing the car forward. Barbie's yep. not driving the car. And I just, oh, it's just, there's attention to detail. Incredible. It just sold it for me. I, I love too that, you know, I think very easily, even as someone with the genius of Greta Gerwig, you could have phoned in this movie, right? Even if you had gotten the talent sure. of, you know, Margot Robbie and everyone else, you could have you could have just stopped at Barbie Land and encompassed the whole movie, had a little crossover. Because there's, let's face it, there's plenty of movies that have this like, oh, like Elf, that have like a, you know, you're, you're in this other land, you go to the real world mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Elf's great too, I'm not going to say it's a shitty movie, but like... There are plenty of movies that have the same kind of same theme. theme. You kind yeah. of know where it's going. What I love about Greta Gerwig is she didn't just go, oh, that's it. She really made you feel this was real and also brought in elements of filmmaking that I didn't think was possible. The whole beginning sequence that is the history of Barbie and oh, dolls. That like is the 2001 complete, Space Odyssey. Yeah, it's a complete like parody of 2001 Space Odyssey. I that's heard the it. music and I was like, no, she's not doing this. That's... No, no, no. Well, it's not going to do this. Well, I thought that was only for the trailer. 
Because yeah. remember they came out with yeah. the teaser trailer. Uh, but And so I thought, I was like, oh, that was just like an no. introduction. But it's actually in the film and it's used to basically tell you the history of Barbie. I, it took everything in me as a film person to be like, 2001, it's 2001 Space Odyssey. She's doing, she's doing yeah. 2001. Uh, but then also, because, I mean, I love Kubrick, the... The only thing that I appreciate about the boardroom scenes, mm-hmm. apparently the whole boardroom scene, as Greta Gerwig was saying in an interview, is based off of Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. So another, apparently okay. she's a massive, massive Kubrick fan. That makes and sense. And that's why she incorporated this in her film. But I mean, like, you wouldn't get that from another director, I don't feel like. You no. wouldn't have that much care and thought process put into the storytelling of... Barbie. Yes. You know well, what I mean? Well, she's actually even quote she's quoted too that a lot of like the musical scenes and kind of this um very stylized like over the top like things that you see she said that she was inspired by the works of Jacques Demy who mm. did a lot of these like stylized like musicals and really just felt otherworldly and so she took a lot of inspiration from that as well so like you know she's doing her homework and her research and she's really pulling from these incredible writers and directors and producers that just really like round out Barbie and you know I think we you can't leave this conversation without talking about the you know, obvious, you know, feminine empowerment that this movie speaks to. But it speaks to it, I think, also in a such a unique way. Yes. And I'll I'll give my mansplaining first, if you don't mind. Oh, God, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, but to me, watching this as a man, you know, I think one the one thing, which I can understand people not diving into the content would get angry at, Mm -hmm. is, you know, obvious what you're seeing in Barbie Land is the complete reversal of what it's yeah, like it's in the real world. Yeah, it's a matriarchy yeah. that is completely run by women. They make all of the decisions and the men are accessories. Yeah, they are literal accessories women have to the women. All the jobs, pretty much, and the women make all They're the, the roles. They're the yeah. Pro- yeah, they own all their own homes and they basically support each other and kind of kins are just there. They just kind of exist around them. Like one of my favorite lines, which we'll get into quotes too, is like when Gloria comes back with Barbie to Barbie World and she's talking about the dream homes, she's like, Yeah, every Barbie owns her own home. And then Gloria goes, Well, where do the kins live? And then Barbie's like, Um, actually, I don't, actually, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, and Absolutely. also, too, I mean, and this is made, uh, there's a line, I forget what it is, by Ryan Gosling as Ken, but you yeah. know, basically his whole character is only validated through Barbie. Like, he knows. He's like, I only feel good when Barbie is looking at me or talking to me or looking my way. You know, kind of a thing where if if that doesn't happen... It's like his day is completely ruined. Like yeah. he only exists well, for her pleasure. Yes, and the, they kind of speak about that too, where it's like his existence is only within the same realm of Barbie's existence. So he says that he's like, it's Barbie and Ken. And then in the end, when he has a little bit of self-actualization, he's like, it's Barbie and it's Ken. So like it's the idea of like Barbie is her own person and Ken is his own person and they just both exist together, like next to each other. But what is so interesting about this take because what I assumed the film was going to be was Barbie coming into the real world and being disillusioned by the patriarchy, which does happen, right? She gets there and she's like, what the fuck? Like, men are staring at me. They're objectifying me. Like, they're, you know. What is the line that she uses when they're walking through the city at first? She's like, I feel an overwhelming sense of terror and I don't understand why. (laughs) It's because, and then at one point, Ken is just like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't feel any violence at all. Undertones of violence. She's like, like, well, I do. And I was like, it's so fucking good. And like, 
and it's so in those moments and my assumption was going to be that she was going to maybe learn and understand that you know the feminism of barbie has not changed the world and then maybe she was going to try to change the world or um something along those lines but instead we kind of get this flip where she's like i don't like it here and she's like she finds gloria and she's like i'm going to show you what we do in barbie land and you know that way you can understand how great things could be if women run the world which i'm like well obviously (laughs) but like but then instead it's ken learns about patriarchy and he brings that back to barbie land and he teaches the other kids about patriarchy and how men rule things and, and men are the center of attention and and women are only in service of men so they make the barbies only in service of the kids but by and far um my favorite part of all of that is the fact that ken thinks basically horses are like gods um <laughs> and he thought that patriarchy was about horses <laughs> and he has a line where he was like when I found out the patriarchy wasn't even about horses, I lost interest. Like he's like so distraught when he says this, and because literally everything when you go back to Barbie, it's, again, all, it's all horses, horses and like bros. Like and, that's all. Yeah. It is. yeah. Um. But there's this great interview though with Ryan Gosling where he explains Ken's obsession with horses, and he's like, I think it's because. Or it's not even no no sorry it's Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig has an interview where she's explaining Ken's obsession with horses, and she said that basically she thinks that Ken views horses almost like gods because when you get to the real world, she you know he's seeing horses everywhere. Like there's the cops on horses. Like the people talk about horsepower when they talk about cars. There's oh, he yeah. sees a lot of like imagery. You know like there's statues of horses, like things like that. And so in his mind, he's like, oh, they're these majestic creatures that give men their power. And. <laughs> And he runs with that. And when he realizes that's not the case, he's like, I'm not interested anymore. Like, fuck this. If it's not about horses, I don't want it. And I was just like, God, incredible writing. But yeah, I think this was such an interesting take on feminism, the patriarchy, matriarchy, about female empowerment, about also they kind of even talk about the role of Barbie itself in the real world in terms of like, you know, we know as a society, there's been so many criticisms of Barbie, right? Because, you know, she's it's unrealistic, unrealistic expectations and standards for women. Her body proportions can never be reached. She's, you know, her waist is too skinny. Her feet are too tiny. She's her perpetually in yeah. heels. Her yeah, boobs are too You know, and Barbie has since in the past couple of years, they've created these incredible lines of dolls that come in different shapes, sizes, heights. They have, you know, disabilities. They have wheelchair Barbie. Um you know, skin tones, hairstyles, which is an amazing step forward. But I loved that they even brought their own self-critique. And at one point, I don't, I can't remember if it was Gloria, if it was Barbie herself, that they talk about how it's so impossible to be a woman in society and you're constantly being judged. And even a doll that is just a representation of a woman is still so harshly judged. And I was mm. like, ugh. Jesus fucking Christ, you're right, because women can't be everything you want it to be, and sometimes Barbie can't be everything you want it to be at all times. You know, the one single Barbie doll can't represent everyone. No, right? I, I completely agree. And, yeah. and even, I think the film does a good job, you know, like you said, of driving home a lot of those points, you know, blatantly. Like, not even, you don't even have to discover some of these points by rewatching or not getting the movie. Like, yes. There, we get a narrator for portions of this film, and there's even a point where, you know, Literally, Margot Robbie, because she is the doll of America Ferreira, who is having all of these, 
you know, self-doubts and, you know, kind of body issues and like just yes. different things that she's having about herself. And especially when she's struggling with like things like cellulite, she's, she's oh. struggling with you know, cellulite, mental, Barbie. Me- mental health. Yeah. Like all these other things. And, you know, Margot Robbie is at a low point in the movie, you know, getting into quotes here and kind of goes, you know, she's like complaining about that she's feeling useless. She's feeling ugly. And they pause the film and the narrator comes down and goes, uh, just a note to filmmakers. Uh, casting Margot Robbie <laughs> is the wrong person you want to make this point. Like, yes. And I was like, Absolutely. Thank, like, and I'm like, thank you. Like, you understand. Like, we get what you're trying to do, and um, it's good, a good message. But, like, come on now. Like, you're talking about one of the most attractive women, yeah, in, women, women in, in Hollywood. And I'm sure she still has body image issues and, and things like that. But, like, I think most people watching is going, really? Like, you have things to complain about, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which maybe is also the point, because we go back to harsh criticisms of women. Well, exactly <laughs> it. It's like, you could be considered, like, Margot Robbie's considered, like, one of the most beautiful, like, women in Hollywood, or even maybe, like, the world, like, you know, like, one of. But, you know, she's still criticized, and she is still put under the microscope of being anything and everything, and it's, you can't be perfect, and you have to, you know, do everything right, or people will just hate you for being you. So, yeah, I think the messaging behind this was so well done. Um, my one final thing, I, maybe will maybe I'll ask my sister, because she has kids, yeah. but I don't necessarily know if this is meant for like children, children. So it is PG-13, which means it is meant for teenagers and up, preteens, right? 13 yeah. years old. Um, so if you're thinking about maybe bringing a five-year-old, I just don't, I, I think they'll probably still have a good time. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to really understand most of what's happening. I don't know if there's anything in here that's like overtly like, it's not overtly I wouldn't dirty. bring my kids to. But yeah, because like, yeah, I think you see the, you only you as an adult can understand when they talk about beaching each other off. But you don't five year olds not gonna understand that. that. But I do think some especially like the Ken humor is something that kids would enjoy. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I would say, you know, if if you want to like I would say honestly wait till it comes out on Max to have your kid watch it. I don't know if I would spend money just because it is a long film. It's two hours long and it just has a lot of theming that the kids aren't really going to understand, but I think overall you can put it on when you're at home and the kids will watch it while they're playing other stuff yeah. and have a good time. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. A couple of quotes. Let's quotes. Ratings. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have one that I love and this is because all of the Barbies have been put under the spell by the Kens in terms of like, <laughs> as they've been taught the patriarchy and they're becoming subservient to the Kens and, and living to their needs, they start waking them up through different methods. The uh, original Barbie along with, um, you know, her America Ferrera and her mm-hmm. daughter, they're waking them up and bringing them back to their original <laughs> sense. And one of the Barbies wakes up, I think it's the president Barbie. No, it's writer Barbie. It's writer Barbie. Mm-hmm. And he goes... It was like I've been in a dream where I was really invested in the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. (laughs) I lost it in the theater, Jade. When I heard that, I was like, look, this... this That was such a fucking good joke. Uh, I will say... During the kin patriarchy, the some of the tropes that they had, the, oh, the Godfather, the, film bro trope. J- just ask if, just tell them that you haven't seen, seen the, the Godfather. Godfather. And he's like, what? what? We have to put this on right now. Did you know no, that? Explaining, <laughs> dude. This is a Coppola masterpiece. Also, <laughs> they're like, they're like asking um, a man's help for to explain every sport ever. So fucking good. And then the singing of the same fucking song. With the guitar while staring yeah. in their eyes at the bonfire. Let I mean, me play this. What was the song? It wasn't Wonderwall. What was the song? I'm trying to remember what it was. I, 
holy shit. I can't remember. I know exactly they the song. It. If you play it right Same. now, it's literal dad rock. That's yeah, what we'll, it is. We'll, it's we'll pull it out rock. at the yeah. at the end. Um, but uh. it's so fucking good. I have another one. Um, I love when uh, so this is after Ken tries to surf a plastic wave and he bounces off of it, which is so <laughs> fucking funny. Um, but basically, it says what we get an explanation of what Ken his sole purpose in Barbie Land is. She's so getting checked out by Doctor Barbie, and she's like. Ken's like shredding waves is much more dangerous than people realize and Barbie's like you're very brave Ken he's like thank you Barbie you know surfing is not even my job she's like I know he's like it's not even lifeguard which is a common misconception and she's like very common he's like yeah because actually my job it's just beach and then Dr. Barbie's like right and what a good job you do at beach (laughs) (laughs) just so fucking patronizing (laughs) you know I I thought that this movie they would get a little more into the sexualization of Barbie in terms of like I mean, come on. We always, I feel like anyone who had Barbies or like... You made all your Barbies fuck. I'm sorry. You did, yeah, you yeah. did all sorts Most of Most of my Barbies were lesbian. Yes. Ken, again, just kind of was there, but I wasn't really that interested. Yeah, I think he watched a lot. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. He's a cuckold a little bit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I love that they snuck one line in there. With, oh. Uh, of course, it was, you know, fucking uh, weird Barbie. And she goes, <laughs> they're talking about Ken. And he goes... I'd like to see what nude blob he's packing under that sheet. Yes. Alluding to the fact, because that's what we were all thinking. They're like, they don't have genitals, right? Like, if we're oh, being correct. Well, because remember, they had the line too where they meet the construction workers and they're like sexually harassing them. And then Barbie's like, just for your information, I don't have a vagina. Yeah. And she's like, and he doesn't have any genitals either. <laughs> and then they're all like, and the construction workers are like, oh, okay. Then, weren't right. they like, oh, that's okay? Yeah, they were literally unbothered they were like whatever and then ken like as he's like walking away he's like actually i have all the genitals (laughs) amazing so fucking good so good which well speaking of we have a moment where uh ken and barbie come back from like maybe a a date or whatever and ken asked her he's goes he's like uh oh yeah he asked to stay over he's like oh i thought i might stay over tonight and barbie's like why and he's like because we're girlfriend and boyfriend and she's like to do what and he's like, I, I'm actually know. not sure. It was just so good because it's like there's an expectation of like, you know, when you're boyfriend and girlfriend, when you're dating, right? Like you see each other's houses. But because when you're a child playing, you depending on your age, yeah. you don't necessarily know what that is. Yeah. And so neither do the Ken and Barbie, um, which is just amazing. And I think that's what's amazing about the film, the way it's written and it portrayed, is that there is this sense of innocence, but without being completely naive yes and i think that's a hard balance to achieve and i think it was done very well because again i you know in terms of talking about should younger kids watch this i think absolutely that they can they can without there being like holy shit like maybe that's not something i want my kids to see yeah and i think that as you get older this is a movie too where if you watched it five or six times you take something away from it different yeah each each time yeah one that's very simple jay that i enjoyed was Ken, as he's at the peak of his patriarchy, invites Barbie into, rebrands the Barbie house, <laughs> Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa House. And they're like, isn't, isn't, are you saying the same thing? Yeah. Do I, it's you casa. Know, dojo means house. Dojo means house. So does Casa. Means house. Yeah. No, no, it's Ken's Mojo Dojo. It's just, that's what it is. It's, it's just, just Ken's Mojo Dojo, dojo casa, casa House. <laughs> so fucking good. I'm obsessed. Um, also, I love when, so this is like at the very beginning when you're kind of learning about Barbie land and Ken's like, 
can I come to your house tonight? And Barbie's like, sure. I don't have anything big planned. Just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and planned choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. And he's like, so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And a bespoke song. (laughs) Like, the specificity of it all, like, is so incredible. Um, But yeah, no. And then there's, like, the small one that's actually in the trailer when Barbie is driving off into the real world and can falls along without her knowing and he pops up out of the back seat. She's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm coming with you. And she's like, did you bring your rollerblades? He's like, I literally go nowhere without them. The rollerblading is one of the best parts. Um, yes. Those rollerblades are for sure going to be for sale at somewhere. The full costumes from this movie are actually licensed out to Spirit Halloween stores. So oh, they are all available. Yeah, through Spirit Halloween. I know what I'm doing for Halloween. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I'm getting I a mean, Ken hoodie. That's what I'm doing for yeah, sure. The yeah, Knuff. the Knuff. The I'm Knuff. I'm Knuff. Um, great line. Which, speaking of, there's when basically Ken comes to this realization, he says, "I'm just Ken, and I'm enough, and I'm great at doing stuff." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, oh. Jane, I think it's time. Where do you rate the new Greta Gerwig movie, Barbie? Ooh, okay. So, I, oh, oh wow. I know. Oh. I actually struggled. Wow. With this. Really? Yes, because you know what? It was so fantastic. I thoroughly loved it. I again, like I thought the themes of this were great, the music, the cinematography, acting, all that different stuff. But then I thought how many times do I think I'm really going to rewatch this? And I think the reality is is maybe once when it comes about again after that I just don't know. So I think I'm leaning Jim. Wow. I know. I wrote, That shocks me. And I wrote down treasure. I literally wrote Jim. down treasure. But I think I think for me, ultimately, it's such a niche film. Like this isn't, I don't know if it has the staying power of like a Mean Girls. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. I could argue. I could argue both ways. You know what? You know what I think it is, Jade? I don't think enough people have yet seen this movie. And I think this has to staying... make it a cultural. Yes. Yeah. I think this has staying power in terms of quotes. And I think mm. it's staying power in terms of just, I think, icon- like being iconic in a way. Maybe not. I think, you know, whenever we say Mean Girls or when we say like Anchorman, that's just something that happens, I think, over, over time. Over time. I'm going to rate this as a treasure because okay. honestly, you know why? Maybe I'm just a man. And this is what I thought. <laughs> But I thought this easily could be a film that, because, listen, I, I liked Little Women from Greta Gerwig. I didn't necessarily think it was the best version of Little Women, but I enjoyed what she did with it. Am yeah. I going to watch that movie four times? Absolutely no. not. Will I watch Barbie again when it comes out on streaming? Yeah. Absolutely. I will. Could I watch it again if someone was just like, hey, do you want to watch Barbie? If someone asked me right now, do you want to go see Barbie again in theaters? I would absolutely go see it right now. Mm. And I wouldn't say that about a lot of films. Oh, okay. So I think this, for me, this is a treasure. And again, I think also because we are hopefully seeing the golden age of a, you know, very deserving director, Greta Gerwig, who should go on to direct five or six more amazing films. Also, I think, too, I think this film, and along with we had Across the Spider-Verse, I think we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out later. I think this is a new era of taking beloved properties and finally... From millennials? Actu- <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Well, and finally actually doing something great with them. And you know? different. And different, than yes. what we've seen in the past. Exploring different themes, actually diving deeper into the characters, deeper into the stories, making them rich, making them three-dimensional. Like, And I think that is where we need to be moving forward with storytelling in cinema and not just obviously these are you know 
already existing properties, but I think taking that and then applying it to new stories and new things. I think we are starting to finally get out of that era of just repetition of the same fucking style of movie over and over and over again. Hopefully. Well, that was our review of the new film Barbie. It's in theaters right now. You should probably go see it. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. Oh. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. Even if nobody else sings along. Humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. Once again, our movie this week was Barbie. It's in all of the theaters now, so you can see it pretty much everywhere if there's any kind of a theater yeah. near you. And, you and because should. it's WB, it'll probably be on Max, you know, in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. Uh, but anyway, Jade, you know what's interesting is I was going back to the actors and writers strike. Mm. I think something interesting that to talk about here, I've seen this in a lot of... Uh, content creators pages who talk a lot about movies and talk a lot about Mm -hmm. the industry. There are some films actually being made right now. I feel like, you know, we talk a lot about the stuff that's not being made and primarily the stuff that's not being made is the studio companies that are owned by, that are run by the producers guild that essentially are the big named movie houses. I mean, your Warner brothers, the discovery, the, you know, HBO, Netflix, Disney, all of yeah, like these. TriStar, Paramount, MGM. Exactly. Yeah. But there are some independent films. I'll put that in quotes because some of these independent films are probably running. They're still massive tens of budgets. Millions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there are films and they get waivers essentially from mm-hmm. the Writers Guild and or the Acting Guild. Mm-hmm. And what these have to do, what these studios have to do in order to get these waivers is essentially, depending on your budget size, abide by the proposed agreement yes so that's essentially what these have done and this jade this news makes a24 one of my favorite production houses still like probably my favorite one right now they have two films in production right now because they went to the writers guild and they went to the acting guild and they said we want to produce these two films what do we need to do? And they said, abide by these rules in our contract. Mm-hmm. And they said, absolutely. And they agreed to all of the all terms. All of it, yeah. No problem. Which just makes me think, Jade, if a... Look, A24 is still a major company, but they are not Disney. They are not Paramount. Yeah, they are not Warner Brothers. They don't have the same budgets and, and things behind them as these other major production exactly. companies. They couldn't do a Marvel-sized movie for $350 million because that would probably... Bankrupt, bankrupt their them. entire yeah, yeah that movie didn't make enough money they're doing the five ten maybe twenty five million dollar films but they're great because yes. they are they are the I feel like really one of the few major production companies that are allowing artists to make actual they actually art. care about film like yeah. it's not about the profits like that's what these I'm others sure a little bit about the profits but no, so, no, no, yeah, no, no, I, I know I but it's saying. not yeah. just about like you know what I mean like to them they're like yeah of course they want their films to profit but they also want them to be good films they want to produce real art you know which is why their films are the more risk takers that we've seen come out whether it's comedy or horror or dramas i mean they've just been knocking them out of the park lately for me so the two films that are in production right now are one is mother mary 
mm-hmm. which it follows the relationship between a fictional musician and a famous fashion designer. Uh, it stars Anne Hathaway, Hunter Schaefer, and Michaela Cole. Oh, so, yeah. I'm very interested in this cast, by the way, uh, to see how that all blends together. Uh, also directed and written by David Lowry, who's done things like, I think The Green Knight is one of his mm, things, okay. which I'm not like super excited about. But uh, also done a ghost story, Pete's Dragon. So he's been around the industry a little bit, doing some things here or there. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. There's not much information about this, because I don't think it's set to be released until 2025. So I think they're Yeah, I think very, they're probably even pre-production, maybe. I think they're in pre-production right now, but... The other one I think I'm more excited about, Jade, and it's The Death of a Unicorn, which is all we know a lot about that movie right now is that it's starring Jenna Ortega and Paul Rudd. Yes. And it's supposed to be this essentially dark comedy. That's what they're telling us it is right now um, about the literal death of a unicorn. I believe it's based on a book, if I'm not mistaken, is Hmm, is this one. So it's, um, I don't know, like just... Thinking about Jenna Ortega and Paul Rudd in the same film, and it being a dark comedy, I mean, I don't know. It, I yeah, it's I mean, a bit these exciting. are two actors that I absolutely love that can bring. I think Jenna Ortega brings some of the darkness, uh, and Paul Rudd brings some of the comedy, and they've both done. Like, and I Jenna think Ortega both. can do the comedy. She yeah. can do the comedy. Yeah, like, but, but you know, here's what it's like. It's literally so. It's a descriptive title, at least at this point. And they Jenna Ortega and Paul Rudd. They hit a unicorn with their car. And they're on their way to like a wilderness retreat for mega wealthy pharmaceuticals. And then they have to decide what to do with the body of the unicorn. Obsessed. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I'm in. Like, yeah. this already sounds That's, intriguing. Yep. Done. Yeah, I'm in. Like, yeah. we'll be reviewing that if we're still doing the podcast. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> but, Jade, let's talk a little bit about films that we're interested in this next week. Or I should say the film that we're going to yeah. be reviewing next week. So it is Joyride. It also just came out recently, although we've been finding it difficult to see. It seems like there's not a, t- at least in our area. Thanks a lot, Indiana Jones. Yeah, for fucking real. Um, apparently, not a lot of showing. So um, I definitely, once we you hear our review, if you love, or you know, if we love it, go show and support. Uh, but it follows four Chinese American friends as they bond and discover the truth of what it means to know and love who you are while they travel through China in search of one of their birth mothers. And the trailer for this to me reads very much like this is like your chick comedy, like I say chick, but that's probably not a nice term. Anyway. You know, it, it's your yeah, it's it feels, like, it feels like the female version, female Asian version of hangover. To me. Yes. It's yeah. a bunch of women who kind of get into crazy situations and romps while also probably being very heartfelt and, you know, you know, culturally like informative. So I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a good time. And you have Ashley Park in this from Emily in Paris. You have Stephanie Sue, who we love from Everything Everywhere All at Once. You know, and going beyond uh the some of the, the female actresses, you also have Timothy Simons that has a role in this film, who I'm, I've always kind of liked him from Veep. He's kind of ridiculous uh, with his humor. So I'm kind of excited for this cast. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And I think this is going to be a showcase of, again, like seeing more like Asians in film, especially leading a film and being an all Asian cast again. Like, you know, this is something that we have kind of, it's like a new era, a new age of, of filmmaking with more diverse characters. It's exciting. Uh, well, Jade, between now and next week when we review Joyride, where can folks find us? You can find us on all of our socials. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok as OurTasteIsTrash.com. 
sorry, Our Taste is Trash. And you can also find us on our website, OurTasteIsTrash.com. Come back next week when we review the movie Joyride. It's, well, in some theaters near you. To get ourselves a treat.